You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 14, The Undone Fate, featuring Rosie Pryor. This episode of Find the Good News is sponsored by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. Check out our work at parkerbrandup.com. Would you like to help make sure I'm asking my guests the really good questions? Just visit findthegood.news and click the questions tab. I'll see if I can get your question dropped in the fishbowl. Each episode, my guests will dive deep, select three random questions, and if yours is selected, I'll ask it on the show. That's findthegood.news. Have you ever had a conversation where you're almost 100% true to who you really are? I recently had one on Find the Good News with Rosie Pryor, otherwise known by her blogging handle, Stone Sober Mom. Rosie embodies precisely what I feel we need more of in this world, beings who are willing to show their inner wounds on the outside. Through her sight and in this visit, she candidly reveals the details of her past substance abuse, alcohol addiction, eating disorder struggles, as well as the trips and traps associated with body image and worthiness. By being so fearlessly revealing, she creates an environment of acceptance in her presence. Because she has suffered and is willing to share that suffering with others, she forms a space of safety and healing. Rosie and I go exploring in this conversation, not to exciting destinations or foreign lands, but into the thorny pathways, caves, and hidey holes of the inner self. For me, a few walls came tumbling down after our conversation. I felt a keen awareness of the false self many times as we talked and quickly shut that voice down. I woke up the day after our visit with a slightly better sense of who I am, some inner housekeeping I still need to do, and the sneaking feeling that I'd been sitting at that table with one of the bodhisattvas of compassion. Not only did Rosie show me the good in her, she helped me look at myself in the mirror, and for the first time in a very long time, I saw a good man looking back. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear The way it's going Cause you're laughing in your sleep On the path to your deliverance And a holy wall of light Pouring through your window Old news, bad news, fake news Sometimes you just want to shut it all down And get no news at all with Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm going to find the good. And I love you just. Yeah, let's do it. I'm actually really glad to have you on the show. I've been excited about visiting with you particularly. Thanks so much. I'm really just honored to be here. Well, I mean, your show, I call it your show because I call this a show and I hate that word sometimes (laughs) because it's really 
conversations you know just conversations i mean i don't want i didn't want this thing to be heavy-handed gotcha you know what i mean i mean we're we're a marketing agency but that's not everything i am you know what i mean sure it's like everybody we got parts and parts oh yeah tons everywhere yes well i really like what you're doing um i'm gonna jump right in yeah i said this in the last podcast i was like for me and that's the way i'm it's partly why there's an anchor in our little logo because i'm that way i i tend to just throw the anchor over and then there's like a certain length of chain you know and i'm all in before long i'm underwater Uh and I'm, i'm buried in it whatever it was i'm doing and then i I, re- I tend to reflect about what I did after the fact. After the fact, yeah. Yeah, I would love to be more intentional. And we do I do, do things with intention, but like, I, I'm all in when I'm in. Well, when I believe I in something. That's a good way to, you know, live and do things. And Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to trust your opinion because, look, I've read, I haven't read every single one of your blog posts. You have no, there's a ton of them. A lot of them. <laughs> but. I've read more of your blog posts and I've listened to several of your podcast episodes, as uh-huh. I'll call them. And immediately I saw something and heard something that I think is so valuable. And it, I will say rare, but maybe it's less rare than I'm starting to learn that it is, okay. is that um, you've opened your heart up and you're not hiding like parts of yourself. Right. And the value in that to other people, one, I think that people don't realize how healing that is. And you probably are realizing the more you do it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it kind of started out as, um, you know, a a cathartic way for me to to heal and just, um, you know, honestly, I, I thought it would be easier when I decided to, you know, sober up. It was easier for me to tell everybody that way, you know, okay. like just a blanket. You was know. it sort of like a, a way a waiting in like, well, I don't have to do it to their face. Exactly. I can, so, I, gotcha. I mean, really, this was kind of like, you know, the ca- the coward's way out, if you will. I mean, it, it ended up being like something good. Sure. Um, but that was definitely like one of the driving forces. Um you know, because I, I just wasn't ready to face people quite yet. Yeah. So it was almost like you. Yeah. Was it like an audio, like a journaling type of process for you? Yeah. 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 And I just I wanted to explain myself the one time, you know, rather than having to explain the same story over and over and over again with everybody else, because that, yeah. you know, it felt like it, it could be draining. Yeah, sure. No, I get that. I mean, I uh, I'm a storyteller. And I love telling stories. I think telling stories is good. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I know what you mean. Like revisiting again um, can be exhausting, especially to see like the show even. I want it to be about good things, mm-hmm. right? But so often to me, and, and it's just I can only say it through my own life and maybe things I, I tend to lean towards historically, is that the better things come out of the the worst things oh yeah i mean i think that um you know pain is is the seed and i think if you can figure out a way to put value to your pain you know um that people need to know that people need to hear that and people need to to realize they're not alone in their struggles like i think that's really important that we talk about because 
you know, you, I think you, you touched a little bit on like social media and um, it's all this beautiful, you know, all these photos and happiness and dreamland and Disneyland, you know, just everything yeah. is so perfect. And like, you don't see what's behind that. I mean, that's one moment, you know, yeah. but everybody's struggling with something. Sure. No, I get that. Your lat, your most recent post, the one that you just, I guess it came out yesterday, maybe, or the day I before. Yeah, maybe. A I don't know. Or maybe you okay. shared it. Yeah. Then, but I, uh, I stopped to read that one. And man, I, I, there's a lot you talked about in that one, particularly that just resonated with me. We were actually just talking about that before you walk in, you know, because oh, awesome. I, you know, just putting out there the truth, because that's what I want this show to be. Mm -hmm. Just like what you're doing, honestly, even more like what you're doing, because I, I just impresses me so much. Well, thank you. You know, I have, um, I guess I'd call it like body dysmorphia issues. Yeah. You know, like I, I've got these weird habits, right? Where mm -hmm. I, when I say habits, they're just tendencies. I don't like photographs of myself. Oh my God. I don't like, yes. I was shoe shopping yesterday. Uh-huh. And this is insane. The little thing, and I've blown over this for years. I just kind of pushed it to the side, but I was like, you know, this is really a thing. So I'm shoe shopping and i'm looking at shoes no big deal but then i you know how they have those little shoe mirrors and they're angled up yeah and i see myself in this out it's of the, the corner worst out. angle and i'm like I, uh, uh, and i had to, i went to another aisle and tried on those shoes and then i started kind of reflecting on that again we were just chatting about it. i said you know and then i started thinking of the stores i avoid because they have these big mirrors and i was like man i've got a real issue and, you know, I, I, can, I can go around like everything's fine. I mean, I can sit here across from you. I feel totally fine. But you, if somebody walked in the room with a camera, that probably wouldn't bother me. But if I if they said, oh, and I'm going to show you these pictures. And don't you? I hate pictures of myself. I don't have one picture of myself that I really like. Isn't that like. something? Yeah. But it's definitely dysmorphia. Like, it's some kind of like, I, you know, people don't. People don't see you like that. You see you like that. Right. Yeah. I can't experience myself properly. And I don't know what that is, honestly. I don't know where it comes from. I can't quite figure it out. I really don't. And it's been there for a long time in some form or another. And, you know, you learn to, I'm sure you can relate, you learn to deal with things. You you limp. I mean, you walk, we walk with a limp when you have a wound, right, to compensate for your balance. And I would say I've got all kinds of little limps, maybe not physically, but mental limps. You know, yeah. I, I shop a certain way. I interact and avoid certain things. Uh, I have terrible social anxiety. Have, really? Oh, yeah, terrible. Mm. Terrible. No, And I, I think people go, oh, really? And I'm like, oh, you don't even know. I could tell you a hundred stories about all the things I've done to avoid being in groups of people. And, and joys that I've missed out on. You know, but I don't know where that comes from. I really don't. I can't. I can't tell you where it comes from. I mean, it comes from. I, you know, I, I think in a general sense, it comes from some kind of lack. You know, something sure. that's not there, or you know, something that's missing, or something you didn't get in your childhood, or yeah. You know, I think um, you you could dig deeper and and get to the bottom of it. But yeah, I mean, most of us just limp along. Yeah. You know, we kind of function around it. But um, 
you know it's it's a tough thing to address all your demons like oh, that's, sure nobody wants to do that yeah that's the hard work right right i mean like the inside work the outside work is kind of easy i guess and the inside work and that's what you're doing and that's actually why, what i want to talk about you know you i asked everybody when i started doing the show to start telling me people that they thought highly of you know people that mm-hmm. are doing good work and there's no category for that i mean what's good to one may not be good to another um Right. But then your name came up and you were recommended. And I said, huh, well, I don't I don't really I didn't know you. And so I went and looked at what you were doing and I was like, huh. And for me that I don't know, just struck a particular that's a particular avenue of service to humanity is mm-hmm. to open your heart up and share your demons, your challenges. So Thank if you, you don't mind, I mean, I know I don't. We just talked about not bringing things back, but can you just? Oh, I don't know. I'm go into book. like I, I will literally talk about anything. How did so. you get from? How did you get to putting you know stone sober mom dot com? So stone sober mom dot com is your blog, your podcast. How do you get there? Starting to that, where do you go to get there? So how did it come about? Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. What was your path um, to that day when you go, I'm doing this, and what reason was it for? Yeah, it was definitely like a series of, I, at the time I wouldn't call it miracles, but now I do. Yeah. Um, certain things lined up, like um, I, you know, I, I've always known deep down that I was an addict. I've always known that, you know, just because I couldn't stop ever. Um, I couldn't control any any substance. Um, same with eating stuff. You know, I was bulimic and anorexic, and um, I just I had no control over any of that. And it was such a scary place to live. Um, so, kind of having said that in the in the background, um, I recently. Um, before you know before i decided to to clean up i was you know i I had just i had my daughter i immediately got on probably when she was six months old i got on vivance which is a form of adderall it's like a slow release um i think a lot of people take it like and if you're add like that's awesome but um i'm not i'm not really add because it gave me like that kind of hyper whatever speedy it was for concentration Uh, like to get things done so like i could fold all the clothes all day you know when i was at home or just like make dinner do anything um it made me like super mom um so i think a lot of moms get on it you know but it's it's like but because it's it's moms that are on it it's like uh, it's like okay you know like it's nobody really talks about it i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah i got you it's sort of like a secret yeah exactly it's like a secret superpower yeah um so then uh, you know i started taking that and i went of course like i was like on a very low dose and then the next week i was on a higher dose and on a higher you know so it just kept adding up um and then to, at the end of the day to come down off of that, I would drink wine. And and because it's kind of like speedy, it, you can drink more on it. Gotcha. So then I would end up like drinking more than I had intended to and waking up the next day wrecked and then having to do it all over again because, I mean, it's a cycle. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine getting out of that cycle. And I didn't know if anything would ever get me out of it. Um, so at what point do you realize you're in the cycle? I mean, because at first man, those things don't, they sneak up on you, right? I mean, you didn't wake up. Well, it snuck up on me. Um, I honestly, I mean, I was, I didn't want to live for a long time because I knew I was in the cycle. Okay. I couldn't get, 
I couldn't find my way out of it. I didn't know if anything was going to get me out of it. So I'm just like, it would be a lot easier for me to just remove myself. And then like my family can get, you know, like everybody can just be happy. And because I was just this horrible, you know, person in my addiction. Um, so, the, you know, one, I think my husband and I got in a really bad fight, like a big drunken fight. And, um, you know, things were said, whatever. And then after that, I think being hung over that next morning um, really made me think, okay like this we this can't happen anymore like this isn't gonna happen anymore so it's actually kind of it's not funny he'll probably kill me for saying this because i don't think i've even ever told him this but i i was like he has a problem like he has a problem okay so i start looking at like ways to to stop drinking or control drinking for him Okay, so uh, I get yourself. this. You're, no, you're going, okay, of course, gotcha. because that's what it looks like. You, it's everyone outside of you, you know. And so um, I ordered this book that I've posted about many times, but it's called "This Naked Mind: How to Control Alcohol." So it wasn't like how to quit alcohol, because I, I, like, who wants to do that, you know? It was how to control alcohol. So the title I think is genius because it definitely spoke to me. It was a little softer than I got you. It's not going cold turkey. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I was like, hell no. Well, I can still have. Yeah, I, got I you. know. It's a softer sell. Yeah, oh, and it wasn't, you know, and it kind of started out like, I, you know, the the author Andy Grace was like, I'm not going to make you do this. You know, you can, but it, it actually just changes the way that you think about it rather than telling you ways to stop. So I needed my whole mental shift. Now, by the time I finished the book, it was my birthday, and I decided that was it. It was after I finished the book, I was done with alcohol. Now, I was still taking Vivance at the time, but I finally got to a point where I was like, I still can't look at myself in the mirror. I got to give it all up. You know, so that's, and in that time, like in that period of of giving everything up, that's when the the blog was born. Gotcha. Okay. So... The Vivance, I mean, when you when you took uh, alcohol out of the mix, the cycle begins to end, right? Because that circuit's no longer there. The weight's in balance, the, the, the high, the low. Now, I also had, I did also take medication to put me to sleep at night. So I could keep that, you know, I could keep that loop going a little bit longer with just, you know, um, with just the ADD medication, um, which I did. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't as fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I got gotcha. I mean, you. Yeah. Did that? How long did that go on? Um, with just which one are you talking about? Like the the, vi- the like, combo? Just, or yeah, the- like getting it from the day you start taking that to the day that you just you know I'm done. Oh, okay. Um, what kind of time period? The day I started taking it, I'm trying to think. It's about seven months. About seven months. That went on for seven months. Yeah, is it like a time period that you just you have like a different set of memories for that? Do you know what I mean? Like, is it filtered differently than other time periods in your life? Well, it's just kind of yuck. I mean, I look back. I remember not being able to look at myself in the mirror. You know, we were talking about mirrors earlier. I I could I could not face myself in the mirror because of those things. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, I was stuck. You know, and I and I couldn't see a way out, and I hated what I was doing, but I couldn't stop it. Yeah. You know? So I don't guess I fully understand the Vivance. This Vivance, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never heard of that before. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, have no, didn't know that. Wow. Didn't know what it was. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm assuming people listening to this are going to go, oh, I know what that is. Well, they might. They yeah. might. It might make them uncomfortable even. <laughs> We're yeah. going to talk about it Well, anyway. I mean, no. I mean, look, that's the danger of things. And I've said this many, many times 
to other people in, in various capacities, but addiction is a, a sneaky, sneaky devil. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to come into into drug use or it not can be anything. All. I mean, not overconsumption of anything. Anything. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think what I said at the beginning, I could say that's an addictive trait to throw the anchor over and get into something all the way really quickly. I mean, I get I get that. I mean, I can I can honestly understand that. And there's habits, I would say that you go, "Oh, I'm done with this." And then you go, oh, I fall back into this habit. And go, man, why am I? I know I shouldn't be falling into this habit again. Yeah. So, I mean, even that is an addiction, yeah? So you, and you said something else earlier that you always knew that you... Yeah, it was this really weird, like, intuitive sense. Okay, so the book I'm reading right now, it's called um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Okay. And he talks a lot about um, resistance, Okay, so resistance to live the life that you you were meant to live. And a lot of us, okay, so the addict will use their substance in order to avoid the voice or the calling, you know, or, uh. and, and that goes with, you know, addiction kind of branches out into a lot of the, like shopping or gambling or whatever to ignore that voice because it's so hard to do what you need to do. It is so hard to do that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's about kind of diving into that pain and having to pull yourself out. And that's, uh, to me, that's where your purpose is, is in your pain. I a hundred percent believe that. And so when you have an aversion to something, um, that means, or, or a resistance to something that is what you should do. Lean into that. Lean it. That's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Lean into that. I've kind of felt that way. You know, the, the, Gosh, man, I say this every single podcast, and I think it's because it was and it still is an an un, a fully a wound that's not fully healed, and and it's a grief wound from losing my father, my daddy. Right. I hate it when I call him my father. It's just so fake. Sorry. It no, I, I mean I do you... that because it's so formal, and I see that's a veneer that I'm just sick to death of. Yeah, and I mean it's my daddy. Da- works. It's my daddy. Yeah. You know? Okay, so. When my daddy dies, I remember very well that feeling you're talking about or, or that that pain, right? And I remember telling my wife, well, I made a video for his funeral. Mm-hmm. And so I had this the job of um, going through all the photo albums one by one, scanning all the pictures. You know, and, and look, digital age now, you can just go, oh, let me scan. They're all, they're all digital. You can swipe through them, but... There was something very heavy about going through those albums, laying all those pictures on a scanner bed, scanning them, and then clipping each one out, mm. and then making a video and picking songs. And it wasn't the same as if, I guess, the funeral home had done it. There was just something different about it. And I mean, it was like 9, 10, 12, 14 hours of all of that. And I can remember I was I was just home alone, mm-hmm. editing the video, doing my, which is my job, right? But I'm yeah, doing it but... for this other purpose and trying to make it right and honor my father. I can't tell you the wailing and weeping that nobody saw. My wife didn't see it. My children didn't see it. Something happened during the making of that video, particularly. And I, and I told her, I said, something's different about this pain. 
I feel like I'm not supposed to run from it. Like normally you, you stick your hand in a fire, your instincts to jerk it back. Right. This pain, I feel like I should enter it. And by entering it, it's actually surrounding me and doing something good. And I don't know what it is, that but is it's a really chamber. Cool. And yeah. I remember calling it uh, the heart chamber. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm entering this wounded, bleeding heart and I'm supposed to be in here. And I don't know why, but when I come out, something's going to be different. So, yeah, I think that's the closest thing I can like. Yeah, I mean, you you know, that was that was a really great example. I mean, I, I think if, you know, we do all these things to numb, we do all these things to not feel to run away from it because like you felt that visceral pain, you know, and um, if you cannot, if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. Yeah. So you right have on. to, you know, you have to. And I didn't make that up. I got well, that still, it's pretty, but, pretty you know, I mean, <laughs> it's, um, it's not original. But um, you, you just, you have to. And I only say that because I ran from it my whole life, you know. And it was only when I got on the other side of that and embraced a life that, I always knew that was mapped out for me. I always knew I was an addict, like I said. But I, when I got on the other side of that and finally surrendered, like you surrendered, you know, you st- you can actually start to heal. You know, right. you can actually start to see. And, you know, you, you crack your heart open, but it just makes more room to grow. Like, you know, it just makes more room to, to em- embrace other people and, you know, be compassionate and empathetic. So... I, it, it seems like a horrible thing to be in at the time, but you have to do that to move forward and up. Yeah. You know, you know it's right. I, it's interesting because there's like a, a, a couple of things I recall. I remember Stephen Colbert saying this one time when he talked about his brother's death and he said, uh, or maybe he, he, it wasn't something he said. It was something that J.R.R. Tolkien had said because he had lost a brother or a family member. Mm-hmm. And what he said was, I love most the thing that I wish most had not happened. And I was like, oh my gosh. When I heard him say that, I was like, that's exactly it. I mean, uh, you you just said it. I don't know that I, and this is a horrible confession. Some people would say, well, you need to fix that. You need to get counseling. But I mean, I don't know that I want to be a hundred percent whole because if i were a hundred percent whole there are people that i don't think i could serve and i don't even know what that means because i don't know who they are i don't even know how i'm supposed to serve them but there's this feeling that if all the wounds were healed then i wouldn't be i would look at my fellow man and go and be i don't know i feel like that's where strangely enough where judgment begins yeah, I like mean, I, without the wounds, I begin to not see common ground with my. Th- I don't know. For well, me, the human, my- you know, the humanity of, of it all. You through those those wounds and those hardships and everything. Um, you know, let, for just for example, like people who have lost their children, they become the beacon of hope for people who've lost their kids. You know, right. I mean that that and and so you know, for me, I. 
I had an I had eating disorders. I struggled with addiction. I want to help people, yeah. you know, that have that. And I think that's where it comes from. It's sure. from that knowing, like you know that in your heart, you know. And I agree. If you think about being whole, um, as the same as being perfect, like who wants to be perfect? Like then, what do you have to aspire to? Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. I mean. There's people that I probably won't connect with, but there are particular people. I don't know. It almost seems like it's just anybody hurting. When I meet somebody who's hurting, I think then in those moments, I value so greatly any type of pain I may have had, even if it was just something simple from my childhood or just a small thing. It allows you to connect with somebody. So that's a good question. I mean, I've asked this question of everybody that's been on this show. Why do that instead of nothing? Why why do you cuz you look you could you could have overcome your addiction your eating disorder and you mm-hmm. could you know I know you struggle with it right is it still it's all it's not all, it's not gone right? I mean do you oh, still no, right no, that's, no, a, that's a battle. No. Yeah, oh yeah, daily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you got your own battle. Right. Why take the extra step and then reach out? What is it? You know, I feel um, like I would have really appreciated um, a space to feel safe in being imperfect, like a, a, a place where I could go and just be myself because, oh my gosh, like that's so liberating mm. and I want it for everybody. You know, I get obnoxious about it because I'm so excited about it because um, just telling the truth, I just want everybody to tell the truth you know, and, and stop, stop hiding and, um, and stop trying to be what you think other people want you to be or what society says you can or can't be. Um, because we're afraid of the stigma, um, that comes along with, you know, pretty much all the things that I am. (laughs) Sure. I mean, I get that. I totally do. I, that's one of my biggest problems. I, I, again, we were talking about this earlier. I have a, I have a problem with vanity and I'm not, I don't think I'm a, and maybe I, you know, on one hand, I would tell you, oh, I'm not a vain person. Mm-hmm. Because again, here I am telling you, I don't like looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. I don't like, but actually, I would say it's probably worse than vanity, whatever I am dealing with. It's worse than vanity because it's a hypersensitivity mm-hmm. to it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not the person that's absorbed and look at me, look at me, which is what we would consider la- you know, traditionally label vanity. But what I have is probably it's the opposite of vanity, but it's or it's not. Mm-hmm. It's maybe worse than vanity, mm-hmm. you know, because then what I've sensed is created is an aversion or a distrust or a really a disdain of people who are vain, which are perfectly fine people. Yeah. And I I tend and I don't it's not that I can't I am conscious of it. But I do know I feel it. And I'm like, this is interesting because they didn't do anything. Well, I mean, I can totally relate to that. Like people who just kind of like ooze confidence. Yeah. They make me mad, you know, because I don't have that. You know, they have all this self-esteem and it looks so effortless. Comfortable. Yeah. They're comfortable in their own skin. And everybody loves them and they're fine with it. And, you know, I don't know. It's strange. It is. But I I get that. And I think... um, if if we look at that like people who make us uncomfortable people who we have an aversion to or we, a disdain for 
and it's so hard to do this and i mean don't get me wrong i don't do this all the time but if you look at them like what is it about me that makes me dislike them because you're right. not going to change that it's person. It's not them, it's me. Right. right. It's a refl- it's some exactly. kind of reflection that you don't want to see or some kind of characteristic that you don't want to deal with. You know, if you yeah. kind of look at it like that, which it's not fun. You know, I think that's why a lot of people drink and whatever, you know, because sure. it's not fun. Um, but I think your relationships you know you start to either surround yourself with people that make sense and kind of build you up um but but you also you know are able to see that the other people are your mirror back to yourself so just yeah, kind right. of reflect it back to you and i'm happy i know it You've probably heard me mention filming videos, building websites, creating logos, or building brands on this podcast. Well, there's a good reason for that. I'm a brand builder, and my brand is Parker Brand Creative Services. My team and I have built countless brands in the Gulf Coast region, and a lot of our work in the travel and tourism industry is experienced across the country, and honestly, the whole world. We have our specialties, web, logo, package, and whole brand design, as well as video production and photography. But the reality is we function as a full service advertising agency to businesses that don't really mesh well with larger advertising agencies or just don't want to have in-house creative departments. But don't listen to what I say. Just go to our website, parkerbrandup.com, and take a look at what we do. We're a show it, don't say it team. Okay, you should definitely say it too, but you know what I mean. That's parkerbrandup.com. We think sideways, we push forward, and we'll get your brand up. So take this, you've earned it, a melody and chorus. We've, we've gotten to a point where possibly that doesn't exist as hard as it, as much as it used to be. We, we, we put ourselves out there in these digital formats and just plaster ourselves everywhere and tailor it and tweak it and make it perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's become our mirror versus the way it used to be where it's like what we're doing right now. We're, we're having a conversation across from a table and the longer we talk, the more I will react to you authentically and you will react right. to me authentically. And then we become a mirror for each other. But it's right. so hard to sit down oh. and do that now. I mean, I'm terrified to even talk on the phone. Honestly. I mean, I will like, to, I will. somebody will call me if it's not convenient for me. I will like silence the call and then call them. No. And then I will text them back, which doesn't make any sense. You yeah. know, I mean, but that, that human interaction, it's become... terrifying but we're not meant to be singular creatures like we're not meant to be isolated like we are like we're supposed to be in tribes like working together that's the whole that's the whole thing I I think we're missing and that's what I'm trying to do with this you know with this project is like remind everybody that we're all like we're all in this together you know we don't need to suffer in silence we don't need to suffer alone and you know, that's not why there's so many people on this planet. Like, yeah, we're supposed to, to help alone. each other. Right. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I totally agree. We're not supposed to be alone. And I, I think even knowing that, and it's weird, I live in sort of this polarized state in my mind where I have the exact same vision, I guess you just described. Mm-hmm. I look around at my human brothers and sisters, and I, I, I literally I say that because we I feel that way. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... I fear my human brothers and sisters. And so for me, peace sounds like isolation and retreat and quiet. You know, I grew up in the forest, in the woods, and so that sounds like peace and quiet to me. And it is. But ultimately, I 
just long for relationship and and connection with people. So, but it's the most treacherous territory. It is terrifying. It's it's to me the most dangerous place to go. You know, because then what if we don't agree or on something critical? Yeah. And what I mean by critical is something that could hurt one of us if we don't agree. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm saying? Sure. Like, I'll give you an example. Uh, I've had some wonderful spiritual experiences being a part of a particular religion. And they've been blessings to me. Mm-hmm. The experiences. The connection through the ritual of that faith was very good for me. But it was in the interaction with humans that the pain came. And I can't, it's so difficult. And I go, you know, I'm, I'm willing actually to give up the traditions of that faith to not face the painful interactions that I'm having with other people. And so I just write that whole thing off and just secretly hold on to what I know is good for me, but I don't practice it in public Mm -hmm. because by practicing it in public, I have to interact and then the venom and the pain, the attack. And I go, I just can't do it. So I just give the whole thing up. See what I mean by that? Yeah, I guess you kind of have to practice discernment with that or just like when, you know, when to to cash it in or when to you know pick your battles or whatever sure because i don't think there's unfortunately like not a book written about that either (laughs) you know there's no rule book and you know i don't want to always be the i mean it's natural to seek out safe spaces you know and go oh well let me keep seeking till i find a safe space and a safe group but i mean also i don't know that that's good for me either to just always seek the safe thing, right? You know. Well, I think um, I think you kind of just have to trust that it will unfold for you like it should. You know, if you lean into that resistance and you go in a place that might be scary, you you might find your your tribe. You know, your group. Yeah. Honestly, if I'm being truthful, that's probably what this show is really about as much as anything. Is, is that, you know, this is a safe space, right? You can come yeah. in here right now at this table and say anything to me. And that's okay. Because, you know, I'm will, you're will, I think it's willingness to put your heart out on the table like we talked about. And so mm-hmm. by having a space like that, I, and this is just a, probably just another one of those old things, but I go, you know, I can sort of not control the narrative, but I go, hey, I've made a spot. For that to happen. So I don't have to go seek that spot. Um, It's probably as much about that as it is about anything. It's And and again, not unlike what you've done with your blog and podcast is you're doing the same thing. You're going, hey, here's a spot where other people who were like me or who maybe or or to some extent degree or have been touched by it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've made a soft spot there for them to kind of take all that and lean in and go okay you're welcome you're home you can rest here for a minute yeah definitely and And that might be the only place they can do that you know yeah Um, well i read that for sure just even in that last post you made i mean i i so much of that i thought man 
I don't know who's reading this because everybody's coming to this from a different place. Right. But coming to it from my own place, I immediately felt safe and comforted by what you were doing. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And you know, we were talking before we were rolling here about the way you've done your the audio part of your blog, the podcast. I'm curious, do you write any of that before you go live with it? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of it. This is going to sound so lame. I mean, but um, most of it, I'm just either reading like the post because I find that some people like they won't sit down and read for yeah. 15 minutes, but they'll listen to something. Okay. So I just basically read. There have been a few um, where I read like journal posts, um, you know, from my actual journal that but it's yeah. but I, I do. I definitely have a script like coming here today. I've probably texted 20 of my friends like, I'm terrified. Oh, like, because is, it's not script, because it's not right, written. Right, because yeah, like I okay. don't have control over it, you yeah. know, and I, I don't, I can't control you, and I can't really control what comes out of my mouth sometimes Yeah, either. well, I hope you won't. No. Because I I'm, try not to in here, too. I go back and listen to these, and I go, I said that out loud. I can't believe I said that. <laughs> but if I don't do that, like, okay, look, this is, and I think it's, I wish more people would do what's happening here what you're doing because everybody's got something and if everybody were willing the world would be a safer place and so you know how do you uh what does it take for you to feel comfortable to be open what does it take like you don't know me right i'm just fascinated by the idea that two strangers can sit down yeah why do you feel safe to talk or to yeah oh yeah for sure so Um, why is that what is the element that makes that possible i don't know if it's because um my baggage is already out on the table like there's not a whole lot that you could stump me with like you know i feel and so (laughs) i mean i I feel like i've kind of cheated a little bit because um i have put it all out there sure uh and you know the thing that always kind of blows me away is when people say like you're so brave and i just i i've never ever thought of myself that way but um you know so because this for me is like me healing myself like it's still it i definitely want to help other people but at the same time like there's still this selfish aspect that's like this is really helping me too you know i get it so you know um, in a way what i'm hearing you say is that that's your anchor over the boat yeah i mean oh, yeah. at the end of that chain is healing for you yes you hook know? line and, and sinker yeah me I'd too totally go for it yeah. I, I think that's probably more than anything what any activity because i mean i think it works both ways you know you get wounded and if you're willing to share yourself through those wounds then the i have this wallpaper i don't know who said it but it was a picture of a heart and it had a wound on one side and a wound on the other and had people walking in one side and coming out the other side and it was saying that you know wounds in our hearts are doors that go both ways it's so healing can come in but then healing can go out that's and really cool yeah i think sometimes that's what we're really designed to do is make a circuit with somebody and Ooh, it may I like not, that word you know circuit. it's like i've got a wound that's for you right yeah i I mean you can save somebody with your story like you really can save somebody with your story yeah you know if somebody can relate to you if you say exactly what they need to hear when they need to hear it you you truly do have the power like i think we don't realize um you know how much power we do have just with our life experiences our stories you know of 
struggle of hope and you know what it's like on the other side i mean that can really really help people yeah when i was listening to your podcast and that's why i asked if you read it uh a couple of times i i and i was trying to describe it to somebody i said you know and you you're, you may you may have heard this before i don't know but when i listened to it and i closed my eyes and i'd never met you uh-huh. but i imagined like a stage and uh like a simple stool and just a spotlight down on you and a microphone and it was like this uh those freeform poetry readings that you go to oh. and i felt like there was a cadence to the way you read and i wonder yes. if when you read your own writing because i do this mm-hmm. i can write freeform but then when i go back and read it there's a cadence to it that didn't exist when i wrote it mm-hmm does that do you have that happen do you feel that yeah i do i mean i definitely feel like when i say it out loud it comes out differently than it was in my head um i i do try to write from the voice which i would use to tell stories you know like in actual real time yeah um but yeah i definitely i kind of get yeah it does it's like this this weird i don't know like um muse or something that just kind of makes me talk in a different way or like maybe like spoken word kind of stuff yeah it um, is it's a lot like that i mean I just, that was an observation i made and i just feel like thanks it was com- i'm gonna take that as a compliment well yeah you should, well, for me I, it was comforting <laughs> oh, cool you know okay. it didn't i mean i like free form talks like this a lot yeah. but there was something comforting about it that the way you spoke it i was like that's why i guess she must write this but then oh, go yeah, back and sure. read it because the the cadence was different. There was a there was an up and then a down and then a, there was a pace. I don't yeah. know. It just felt comforting, more like poetry in a, awesome. in a strange way. Yeah, cool. I don't know. So, you know, I mean, I know you looked in the mirror. You know, you had this revelation. Hey, I don't want to live like this anymore. Mm-hmm. But was there any body that you felt like was influencing you at all in that during that time period that helped? Like you go, you know, without this key individual this doesn't happen or is that was it just all kind of you in a void oh man um i would say i have a friend that um lives in baton rouge we went to went to lsu together um and she actually makes jewelry very successful runs a business she's She's pretty much been my biggest cheerleader through all of this. Um, she, you know, she signed me up for like a Brene Brown course. Uh, I don't know if, if y'all know who that is. No, I'm I don't. It. But okay. I can look her up. Well, yeah, she just she writes on vulnerability and courage and, um, you know, a willingness to open up and share your story. And uh, anyway, this this friend has really just been there. I, I mean, she's who kind of I would text or call if anything was wrong. Like we've been through eating stuff. We've been through, you know, anxiety and depression and just everything she's kind of just been that rock for me um so i would definitely say you know her and um my husband you know has been just incredibly supportive like a thing i guess an unexpected uh gift or like perk of doing this blog is that um you know i mean my husband and i like we went through a very very hard time like it is not it has not been easy and i don't think any marriage is really but 
uh the, the doing the blog like has really brought us together it's like a project we work on together he kind of does like the the stats and all that kind of stuff but we like you know sit in the living room on our laptops and our you know our yeah. slippers for <laughs> the fire yeah. it really it's just been the coolest thing and i looked at him the other day we were working on a newsletter or something and i was like this is so cool it's like we're, we have a secret project we're working on together and he's like we are working on a project together yeah right? you are, <laughs> That's exactly right. what it is so but he's just he's so supportive he's just such an amazing dad and like i i don't know i'm just i'm really proud of him and he's really proud of me and um you know i would definitely say like and I, but i have a ton of other friends who have just also been rooting for me you know which is just huge and it gives me goosebumps to think about um you know but i i think those two are there those are the ones that are coming to mind um you know right now yeah, yeah it's interesting what you're talking about with your husband you know my wife and i have worked in in this business together for a long time now and we've we've done the same thing professionally for a mm-hmm. long time and uh you know it's it's interesting when you start doing it together versus uh when you do it apart you know we worked at different companies so it was it was sort of natural to come together and do it together. But I mean, it, and the good times are good, but the bad times are right. bad too. So it's magnified both right. ways, you know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I, uh, you've mentioned the eating disorder part mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I guess I don't fully, yeah, I really don't know what that looks like. I've never been, that's an experience I don't, uh, I guess so, maybe. I mean, I, I can't talk about it without talking about other people's stuff, so I probably shouldn't. But, uh, I mean, what does that look like? What does that look like well, for you? Okay, what does that look like? I I started out, I mean, this, <clears throat> I think this, the gateway um, or the opening into the compulsive, uh, addictive, you know, behavior was um, bulimia. When I was, I would probably say like my freshman year in high school. Okay, so you were young when. That oh began. yeah, yeah, and it's it's definitely been an off and on thing. Um, you know, when I was, I I, def, I stopped when I was a senior, um, and then I started again in college because it was like you know you drink and then you have you go eat a second dinner and then you know i would just feel anyway i mean it was just it was a nightmare like you asked what it looked like it was ugly you know like it was not did anybody know what was going on well um i think people had an idea uh and i definitely like got caught because we lived in dorms and stuff so it wasn't like that easy to hide like you know throwing up and stuff i mean somebody heard you somebody heard me like uh they you know got in touch with my parents my parents called and said you know you got to get help or you're coming home and all this so uh that was a that was a tiny nightmare um and it's just it's been with me it's been that you know i'm not enough um that's just been you know that's kind of behind everything yeah no i get it you just said it i'm not enough yeah that that is gravity right there for me yeah so that um and i think just being small you know especially our society like puts so much um weight on weight is definitely not a good word but on women being 
tiny, you know. And for me, it started with Allie McBeal. I don't know if you remember her, oh, but she's like emaciated yeah. and got all this attention. And so, I, I, how old are you? Uh, how old are you? I'm 44. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 35. Okay. Well, you said Allie McBeal. I'm like, okay. I gotta, oh yeah. I, I had to place my little marker <laughs> right. there. Like, okay, because yes. you know that show. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's going back a few years, um, but. Yeah, I mean that, and then there was like Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton, and they were all like really skinny, and so that that just became my mantra was, you know, the smaller I am, um, the more beautiful I am, and the more power I have and control I have because if I can control this, you know, um, I can control my world. Yeah, God, I, I man, you know, I, I wonder what it's like for people who have that same feeling mm-hmm. but can't achieve that. You know what I mean? Is that where it comes from? Like the 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 bulimia, like to go, well, this is a fast way to achieve that, or does it come from well other methods don't work? I mean, what where does that start? I think I don't know, maybe a heavier question. No, not at all, but know. I think um bulimia meant that I could still eat. You know, that I didn't have to... The fixation I, of eating. I could still eat and, like, satisfy that part of myself. Um, but then, no problem. I can just get rid of it, you know. So, I could still eat, but I, I would just get rid of it after. Whereas, I, I didn't necessarily have the... Um, you know, I, I didn't have the dedication or, like, the self uh, self-control to not eat. Yeah. You know, um, and, and honestly the the ADD medication helped me I say get over that it definitely didn't but it meant that I didn't have to be anorexic or bulimic anymore because it took care of it I didn't want to eat ever yeah I actually listening to you talk about that this is sad actually but I think I know someone in my life that I could sad but I guarantee you that that's probably what's going on and it's probably some type of medication like that. Well, I, the, I've, I've opened up in person to, you know, a few people about it, including like a massage therapist in, in Houston randomly. Uh, but of all the like most of the women that I talk, OK, not most, but more, you know, a disturbing amount of women go through that. Like the, you know, the first of all, the eating disorder. And then if you get on a medication to keep you from eating and make you productive, mm-hmm. hello, you know, it's a, it's a total no brainer. Yeah. I mean, look, I know, golly, man, this is, it's interesting. It's kind of revealing, but it's layers of that stuff. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. so you get to get this, it's sort of like a magic pill, right? You get that boost, you become super whatever. On top of that, you don't have to eat, so you're getting like super thin, which you've equated to success or uh, whatever that may be. 100%. And then now you've got the energy to and and the put on to go. Now I can go out and have a great time and take picture more pictures of myself yes. and show everybody like. how wonderful my life is and smile. And I'm getting skinnier and skinnier, and everybody sees that I'm going and going. And look at me, I'm here for my kids. Look at me, I'm going out and having a good time. Yeah. And that just sort of be, it's this machine that's sort of eating you from the bottom up. It is a machine. That's a up. great word for it. Machine. You know? Yeah. In Buddhism, the word would be samsara. Okay. It's like a whirlwind of hands just keeping you in the loop. Come in, come in, come in. And once it's got you, all the hands grab you and you're in the wheel after yeah, that. It is. It's the wheel. Yeah. It's the wheel. 
you know, the another Buddhist thing that I've, I, I think of when I hear you talk about this is the hungry ghost. You ever heard of that? Yes. It's exactly what I think of. It's like the little mouth with the big belly. You so know? creepy. But it is creepy, so but it's on point. Yes. We kind of become that. Yeah. Yes. That's definitely. that is a vicious cycle, man. And it's almost like it makes you wonder how much of that is even classic addict addiction or if it's just sort of what's happening like i must say classic addiction what the hell am i even talking no you're about? fine but you know what i you mean like offend me i promise i guess what i mean by that is like an addictive personality mm-hmm. i mean because i think somebody who maybe doesn't have an addictive personality or, an, or a propensity towards addiction could still get caught oh i think and i, I mean, think a lot of people can just quit you know they yeah. don't necessarily have to like right i mean i just couldn't quit oh i get that because look i used to pat myself on the back like nobody's business this sicko pride when i was younger because i didn't drink i didn't smoke i didn't do drugs for years Mm -hmm. i mean well into adulthood before i even tried drank alcohol Mm -hmm. and i was so i wore that around like this badge but if i'm being honest those were just the public addictions that everybody looked down on. I had my own private mm-hmm. addictions that I was was not calling addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, so here I was. You know, Mr. Clean was what I. You know, everybody was. Everybody, he was <laughs> wow. mis, he's Mr. Clean. <laughs> Mr. Clean. My friends would say that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it is. But until you start to go, you know, my friends are still doing some of that stuff. But they don't want to tell me, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Clean. And then... Yeah, you kind of close yourself off a little bit. Sure, right on. That's exactly yeah. it. And so you're not experiencing um, certain portions of your friends. You're, you're, I don't know. You're creating a fake existence yeah. with them. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and then because those other addictions are sneakier. And honestly, they are longer. They have more longevity in my life. That I mean, I can go back to see when they started, and go, "Wow, I'm still wrestling with this at 44." Mm-hmm. This is something that kind of started when I was 12, and even awareness only helps. It doesn't defeat. No. And I think that's with anything. Awareness only helps. It doesn't defeat. Because I mean, the things I'm aware of, I have still have not beat. Well, what is it, you know, one of the things that, I mean, my therapist tells me to do is look at what, you know, what you're doing, what need does it point to? You know, does it point to a need to be right or respected or, you know, um, a need to feel included? Right. Um, Any of those, you know, I'm just kind of throwing random stuff out, but just, you know, uh, that would be a place to start is to look at what your thing is and like, does it point to a need that is not being met or was not met in your childhood? You know, I hate to keep going back to that, but no, it's where a lot of things start. A lot of stuff happens then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember um, years. Let me ask you this question because I don't want to forget to ask because it seems like you dealt with and and have battled with the addictions and things like that in a particular way but there's a lot of people who just go you know like to na or aa or something like that did you try any of those things oh yeah um yeah i definitely uh i you know i go to aa meetings regularly um i go to outpatient um therapy three nights a week yeah 
So I'm heavily invested in all of the therapy that I can get my hands on. And I cannot emphasize enough how important that has been in my recovery. Seeing other people, knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you can walk into a room of people who have been through exactly what you have been through. There's nothing like that. And so in that way, my addiction, like this battle or whatever that I've been fighting my whole life, if that landed me in these rooms with these people who understand me, it was worth every second of it. Yeah. It was worth every second of it. That that touches on things that I, for me, that are you know, spiritual things, and I can't help but think it. You know, and I think it every time I meet somebody like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the concepts that came out of my spiritual life that have stuck it has been stickier than almost anything was the idea of the bodhisattva and i don't know you know any a thing about that some uh, maybe refresh my <laughs> so the bodhisattva idea is a being that has attained enlightenment but chooses to not enter nirvana mm. Because there's so much suffering in the world Hmm. and chooses to remain in whatever form is necessary to alleviate the suffering of beings, however long that takes Mm -hmm. lifetimes of reentering the wheel Mm -hmm. and becoming whatever is needed in that lifetime, even if it's for one being. Wow. Right. So they enter and they feel pain and they receive whatever level of enlightenment they need to become a blessing for another so that pain gets alleviated to help lead all beings and this goes on and on and on Mm -hmm. but there's one particular the dalai lama is supposed to be the reincarnation of avalokiteshvara which is the bodhisattva of compassion who if you look at a statue of avalokiteshvara you've probably seen it there's like a thousand arms and a thousand faces. So Avalokiteshvara saw the suffering of humankind and split and became the whatever face you needed huh. to see. You alone for you. Whatever you needed and whatever I needed became that being. Yeah, uh, that's cool. And so it's an interesting concept, I think. And so I I hear what you're saying and you know, and, and talking about pain and suffering and, and, and using it. And I go, you know, there's all these beings like you and anybody. And we look at ourselves and we go, I'm just human, which is kind of the beauty of the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm a broken person. I'm mm-hmm. a hurt person. But in some small way, you're one of those arms of Avalokiteshvara's, uh, you know, uh, helping. And it just goes on and on and on so all beings in whatever capacity i don't know it's just a beautiful concept yeah i mean that's a beautiful image and i i see that when i talk to people who i don't know who have been through things and i go man you're actually this thing you're doing is that it's that helping beings in heal mm-hmm. you know you're a healer and i guess that that leads me to the other thing i wanted to ask is what other things do you do you know besides the things that that are readily available you know in AAA um, you know you're doing your blog and you're helping other people but are there any other things like you know meditation um, what, whatever that you do that help you just keep the the I have like an app on my phone that's a you know that's like a kind of a morning um, devotional that I do 
every morning it's yeah. it's um you know it's it's related to uh aa but that's so you know i'll look at that and then um i also i teach yoga three mornings a week okay and for me that process of flow um because i never i never know what i'm going to teach whenever i get in there oh uh but that I just, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever I need to teach, like, just let me be the messenger. And that's been a really cool process because I can kind of see, like, creativity working. And that's been there. I've been doing that for about, oh, five or six years. So I would definitely say that yoga has helped me. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know what else is helpful that my husband and I started doing? We've been bad about it lately, but is to ask each other kind of like you said in your in like in your questions or um your options for questions that you sent to me that uh what was the best part of your day yeah you know just to ask whoever like your kids or whatever if they're old enough to understand like what was the best part of your day right i mean it really because gratitude like looking back at that i mean you can catastrophize anything or if you're me you certainly can me too yeah um but I think if you kind of bring it back down to like the bones of what we should be grateful for, what we need to look at, you know, what we have now that we didn't then or just whatever, you know, I mean, just just that simple act of gratitude. It, it, it makes it makes a big difference, it makes a huge difference, like in a relationship or, or whatever. Yeah, um, no, I get that. I I try to practice that. I'm not always successful, right. but I do. And that's kind of, again, part of this because, you know, I need to, ever, all of us could use a little reminder that we need to do that because it's Definitely. easy to get wrapped oh up, gosh. man, in that, that poor me pity party. It's easier to do that than it is to not do that. For yeah, sure. right. Complaining is a, a I, I'd have all these little sins that I mean, I don't know what to call them, but that I have the sin of busyness, the sin of complaining. You know, because I get wrapped in those uh, so often. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, they joy thief. I think I mentioned that oh, in yeah. some of the letters. Like, what's a joy thief? Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of them. You know, And I do it to myself so often. You know, it's like, how can I reach? It's a muscle, you know, to go. I need to be stronger to not go down that path. Because it's a haunted house over there. You know? Yeah, you have to, you have to make a, con- a very conscious decision to yeah. not. To not. On your your blog and your podcast, mm-hmm. are there any that ri- the things that you've written and posted, which I would encourage anybody listening to this to go do, oh, thank you. even if they go, oh, I'm not an addict. Oh, I don't have. Yeah, anything. I think so many. And, and honestly, that's probably I would say I'm probably guilty of that. Like I said, Mr. Clean, whatever. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Until, I love it. Until I love I, it that I'm being interviewed by Mr. Clean. Like, well, I think that look, like, if I can digress, really I broke is what happened in. And I mean, I've broken many times, but I learned from my original breaking. And I mean, that's what I would call it. It's it was the day that changed everything for me. Mm. Probably nineteen nine. I know the day. It's on my. It's tattooed on my arm. August first, nineteen ninety five. I broke. I don't think anybody in my life that I have told that I broke really gets it. They don't get it. My mother, my father, my sisters, my wife, my children, my friends. They all, I've told them, and I don't think, nobody can ever know what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. But a certain type of brokenness happened that day, and I and something else came in to fill the space, and I got fixed, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to call that. And so I learned from that that you can break, 
and get put back together. Better. Better. And so that that has changed my brokenness. Doesn't mean I haven't broken again, but mm-hmm. I've learned that, well, I'm going to fall apart and I'm probably going to fall apart many times. But like you've said, you know, the, the brokenness is a tool now. You know, it's all this stuff. Yeah, well, I've changed again, you know. And yeah, Humpty Dumpty does get put back together and he's a little different because that face is different now because mm-hmm. there's new people to encounter, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, where the heck was I going? <laughs> I don't even know where that was going, man. Woo, I got way off. I could go down that that, that trail for a while. Oh, the but, exact same way. But yeah, I think it's like cycles of brokenness, and I don't think I I don't say that in a bad way. Um, but what I, where I was going, I know what it was. Uh, your all the things you've written about and posted are there pieces that are are there particular ones where you go, oh, this one really touched people. This particular thing. I, I, you got a different reaction or more of a response. Yes, I can name it immediately. Um, it was the one I did. It's called Notes on an Eating Disorder. Okay. Um, I think that the subject of, of body image is way more inclusive, um, especially for women. I think a little bit of it kind of probably made people uncomfortable, um, but you know maybe just touch them in some way or made them like i said feel like they're not alone but i think that i mean it is just an epidemic i like with the pressure to be thin you know with the pressure to produce and the pressure to be the perfect mom and you know uh juice whatever you know vegetables for your kids every day i mean i'm (laughs) so sorry but no um but anyway you know like it's just it's so hard like we're not we're not perfect like how dare you anybody say that we should be and so i think that was just that that reached more people because it's a it's a topic that pretty much every woman i know has been touched by Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if there's, I can't even name one, one woman who's never like looked in the mirror and said, oh, you know, I need to lose this. Yeah. And what would that be for? What is that for? I mean, what you just said, I mean, cause I know I'm sure my wife has thoughts like that. I mean, I've heard her say things like mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe not like, oh, like in this real deep, heavy way, but I've heard her say things like, <laughs> uh, not like in the ugh, vampire uh, voice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> who's it for? To, to be thin, who's it for? Is it for you? Is it for... I mean, I'm curious because, I mean, look, I know you're talking about women that, yeah. that touches, but I mean, I'm sure there are men. Oh, who, yeah, definitely. And I know just me, me too. I mean, I have stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, if we have that feeling that, um, you know, like we were saying, like we're not good enough, I think we are thin for ourselves. Mm. You know, I think... Because, I mean, really, does anyone care? Like, are they really going to like you any less because you're not 15 pounds lighter? No. They, they Other people don't care. You know, but it's uh, we just feel like we have to, to live up to these standards and meet these expectations. And if we can't, if we're not strong enough, um, we are less of a person. We are less valuable to society. You know, I, I really believe that somewhere in there every you know every woman has that stupid you know satanic voice on one shoulder just being like oh you don't need that you don't need to eat that oh you ate that you you know beat yourself up for it um 
but I think we we do it because of some deficiency that that we have, like something that's not. It's like an obsession that we can have. Um, that's not necessarily going to kill us, but it, it's something to focus on other than maybe what we need to be focusing on. Yeah, right. Just, the, it's like a distraction. Sure, the hard work, which is the inside right. work. Right. I, I mean, I get that. You know, it's uh, well. I mean, I talk about this a lot, and but I could go on a whole rip about it. And something like sometimes when I feel myself getting on a rip about it, I'm going, oh, that's just to mask your own stuff. But it's uh, we celebrate it. I mean, we celebrate. I was talking about this with my son. I was like, it's messed up, man. I mean, it's completely effed up. We celebrate in our world. We give better jobs to attractive people. <sighs> you know, they get the, the cl- clothing is tailored to attractive people. I mean, we, we literally throw money mm-hmm. at people for their exterior alone. And what do we think that's teaching us? I mean, I I watched a local, and God, I don't, I don't mean this is gonna. This is so judgmental. I'm just, but I need to just say. It. <laughs> I mean, I was I was online and you know looking around, and I I actually have a real problem with beauty contests, and it probably goes back to my own shit, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like I was watching this. Uh, it was a, a church that I had went to for a while. Have had like a beauty contest probably totally innocuous it's harmless and and i mean most people be like what's the big deal and i go you know and, and again i heard another podcaster say god why the hell can't i let people just have their fun because i find and when he said that i went oh bingo that's me why mm-hmm. can't i just let people have their fun mm-hmm. and i thought and i analyzed it for a little bit and i was like why can't i let them have their fun what's wrong what the hell's wrong with me and then i was like oh well it's because this is a bigger damn issue. It's not about them having their fun. It's about the bigger issue of what the hell we're telling people by taking these little girls and dressing them up like grown women and putting a big crown on their head because they're prettier. Are we say that we're saying you're prettier? And people will say it's not all about that. I don't believe it. I don't because I don't. I just don't buy it. Well, it's it just because I can look at the girls and go, yeah, she is pretty. I mean, you see what I'm saying? I mean, be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's prettier than that girl. That's why she's got the crown on her head. She's got blonde hair and blue eyes, and she's, she's pretty. We're symmetrical. I think yeah. that, that's actually how. Um, I think my dad told me that. That that's how you can actually judge how beautiful a person is how symmetrical their face is, which is just I was like, whoa. And right. then so I did the whole symmetrical thing. I was like, oh, I'm effed. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think that just it, it comes back to how everything is so surface. Everything is one dimensional. Um, you know, we're making people's value, uh, you know, is just chalked up to what they present exteriorly to the world. Yeah. And that's terrifying because, like, you know, what if you're not good looking? Um, what you know what options do you have like it's it's terrifying i mean no wonder we have mental illness and depression and all that stuff like yeah nobody values you know what's what's underneath the surface and that's it's what, hard to get there yeah most people aren't wearing it on the out they don't wear it as you're where see that's what i think is awesome and that's again why I, I get thrilled to talk to somebody like you because immediately when i see what you've done with your podcast i go and God, you can call me a suffering addict. I, sometimes I've even thought that's what's wrong. There's something wrong with me. But I say, I go, 
oh, she's she's putting this out there. I didn't even go look you up. Somebody gave me your name, and I immediately searched you, to, and I found your blog. I started reading it. That's who I met. You see what I mean? I didn't go, let me go see what she looks like. I didn't care. Oh, cool. So I saw the outside. I saw the inside first. And so I go, but it was easy work because you put the inside out there. Interesting. That's your vanguard. Your inside is on the outside and it's a vanguard. I can go encounter you that way. So you're who you are on the inside is the only person I knew. Right? I like that. I wish I could introduce myself to everyone like that. But that's extra easier. work, man. It, Most people, if you're shopping in the store, there might be somebody hurting like right next to you in the aisle, but they may look at you and go... Uh, she's cute or whatever and like I bet she's just you know whatever and then they don't realize that you have this mm-hmm. open heart and you might have like the gift for them inside there but because it's it's extra work to like go that place we well, don't wear it on the outside I think that what you're doing is important because like you said it's creating circuits with people and it's you know it's it's this, these are real conversations like this is you know non-edited or whatever but um, I think that's what we have to get back to. I think it's going to, you know, I think we're on the brink of a revolution. I, I I'm an idealist. I'm insane. Whatever. I don't care. Um, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I do think that we have to, you know, as Crosby, Stills, and Nash says, we have to get ourselves back to the garden. Like, we yeah. have to go back to where it started. Like, people, you know, less stuff more real conversations um yeah you know i think the stuff part is very important because the stuff is also just another it's an it can be an addiction too you know i need a thing and the thing is temporary and the feeling the thing gives me you know i feel more look i i go uh golly man poof See, let me tell you a little, uh, this is the trick with this kind of show. And I mean, I'm going to make a confession and then I'm going to remember to say what I actually was trying to say. Okay. So like a show like this, and it's like I told you, we do media work Mm -hmm. and we have customers and clients. So when I'm doing a show like this and I'm starting to get into that honest territory, Mm -hmm. there's that ping that goes, if I'm too honest, then one of my customers is going to hear me be honest and they're going to go, I can't believe he said that. And then they're going to go, I-, I can't do business with that person because he's mm, so honest. Yeah. So there's that like sneaky little thing going, don't, don't, don't be so honest. Yeah. You know? And so I go, well, but that's not what, but then there's like that anarchist heart inside of there going, dude, just light this bottle on fire and throw it out there because <laughs> that's what actually, the only way people know to come is if the fire's burning, right? Can't find you in the dark. So saying that, what I'm about to say is probably getting into that lighting that bottle on fire territory. So I go this past weekend and I had to do a job. It was a a job where I had to film, you know, and when Mm -hmm. I'm filming, it's a sort of sometimes a surreal experience, except especially somebody like my psyche, because I'm not just filming. I'm also viewing all these people in like hyper focus. Hmm. I'm going, who's the most interesting what? looking right Mm. who's dressed the most ideally ideally for the environment i'm filming in because when i put them in the video people are going to go oh that looks 
cool or that looks interesting so it's aesthetically pleasing it's aesthetically like, pleasing right. and and on one hand people go so what man that's what it is and i'm like you're right it is it is what it is mm-hmm. it's the way the world works it's what we're doing for a living it's what we're making and I, I mean i'm okay at it you know but the psyche that's doing it is also resenting mm-hmm. the mind it takes to do it it's <laughs> like there's another layer there going you freaking sell out you are totally you know this is bogus you know this is the veneer you're a part of this you're making it you're making it slick you're doing the thing you're propagating the wheel you're pedaling the bike you know what i'm saying and there's that other part that's going what are you doing what are you doing dude yeah so it's very strange it's a strange that's a lot to be going on in in one person's head yeah (laughs) and i mean the only reason i even know it's because i go back and i feel like it's it's the hard work. I want to. Yeah. I want to know that that's going on in there. Yeah. I mean, I could just have went like, "Man, that's cool. I'll film some film today," and that's fine. And I guess I could do that. But there's something in me. You can't do I, that I though now know. because you like, yes. you you know you've scratched the surface. Like you know that's there now. You can't you can't go put it away now. Yeah, the paint's off. And I mean, yeah. do you ever do you feel like and I guess where's where I'm going too. Do you feel like that because you've put yourself out there and now is it sort of like, well, I can't go put this back in the bottle now. Right? I mean, if you ever just was like, well, I've already put myself out there. I do. I have moments where I think this is too much you know it's i'm too open it's hurting people it's it's hurting my family you know i mean you know everybody's having to field questions about their addicted daughter or wife or you know daughter-in-law or whatever um so there was definitely a moment when i felt that way um but because my you know my family is they are the most important people in my life i only really care what they how they feel and if they're able to you know handle it and they really have been so graceful and gracious in the way that they have embraced this new life for me i mean you know just initially it hurt you know it was like pulling off a band-aid or pulling out stitches or whatever i mean it was it was painful um at first but at this point i think now that it's it's out there it's circulating it's helping it's helping people it's making a difference um i feel like my life has a purpose and they can see that in me now um there's a light that wasn't there before and uh so it to answer your question yes i have felt like that yeah i have felt like that um but at this point i'm just you know i'm i'm out i'm out there i'm out there and i can't i can't like grab it all back and shove it back in anywhere there's nowhere big enough to to hold it now that it just keeps going back for me It's, (laughs) it's the anchor overboard yeah you threw that anchor in the water and there's a certain point where maybe you could have pulled it back up but now it's like eh you know now there's anchors now the anchor and like every time you make a post and every time you put something out there it's one more link in the chain it just, oh yeah it's, it's bigger we're and just bigger. we're yeah. just gonna hang out where we are in that in that boat uh we'll be there for the long haul as far as what inspires you to make a post because i mean i i again i've only read some but mm-hmm. 
is it just whatever is on your heart at the moment? And does, or is there like you go, I need to probably write something or put this out there? Or do you, how does it work with you? Is it all just inspiration? You know, for a long time, and I've definitely battled with this, but I tried to come up with some kind of like linear kind of system or some kind of way to to make it systematic, you know, and have, okay, well, sure. this week I'll, I'll, you know, talk about, I'll do a book post that I've read about. I'll do a you know a relevant post that i'll do a short post and i'll do something about something that helps me but i i've i've learned that i think part of the reason maybe why people relate to me is because i'm all over the place you know i never know what's going to happen in my life and i do very much draw from experiences like i usually i try to do one post a week um about a recent experience you know and how that's been uncomfortable how it's shifted me or changed me or whatever like because i do a lot of you know we have to do homework for my outpatient group um and a lot of times i'll draw from that the experience i had in that so it's like i always have material which is cool because now you know now that i want to live life and yeah, like I'm you're here, now that you're at the place right. right and so i'm interested in people because i believe in what i'm doing um you know, it's it's made it, it's just so, I'm like, God, it's so cool to be alive. And I always heard people say that. I was like, God, they're so annoying. Like, why would they say that it's cool to be alive? It is nothing but pain mm. and misery, you know? And it's so, it's just amazing. And I feel so uh, fortunate to just be on the other side of that and be like, oh, that conversation could spark a story or that, you know, yeah. like whatever, whatever happens is that's the story that I use. So I try to keep it current and relevant so that it's at the forefront of my mind um, and it's fresh for me. Uh, I find that if I start writing something, I say, oh, I'll go back and finish that. Like I usually don't because it's it's no longer like gotcha. valid. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I would say that's probably, uh, I can relate to that with this because, you know, this is actually helps me as much as it, it maybe helps people listening mm -hmm. to it. It's the same thing because I find joy in, meeting the people you know i i it's changed um it's a renewed interest i love talking to people and i like i loved being open to people there mm -hmm. was something i liked about that i was like if i'm open to people talking and listening to their shit which i have become good at for whatever reason <laughs> i didn't know that was a thing i was like oh listen to people's stuff some people just need somebody to listen to them mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a gift. I thought it was just something everybody did. A lot did. of people need that. A lot of people need a good listener. Yeah. But for me, what it's done is it's it's retuned my mind to go, now when I'm talking to somebody, the show has made it to where I'm going. I get even more interested because I'm like, okay, this person, and not not even from a marketing point of view, it's mm -hmm. like, no, 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 you your little story you're telling me in private, how I got to convince you to trust me that this needs to be talked about and shared. Yeah, that's really cool. You know, and so that that's kind of what it's done for me is it's actually made me put on a new pair of glasses. It makes everything inspiring. You know, you're kind of just yeah, lit up by a lot a lot of things. Yeah, so that it, it, the one thing I guess it's made too is interesting for me too has been uh I guess diversity. I don't I don't want people to go, "Oh, you know, you're only talking to art people or you're only talking to musicians or only to mm -hmm. teachers. It's like, no, 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 goodness. Um, goodness is all over the place. And it's just like, you can't even see it. Sometimes we got to find it and like draw it out, like through the pores, you know? Yeah. Definitely. Well, yeah. I, yeah. 
Well, I want to play a little game. This fish bowl oh right my. here. Oh, goodness. It's, yeah, it seems to be going pretty well. You'll okay. be the third person to do it. Okay. But it's called Fishing for Goodies. Okay. I don't know if you've heard it yet on the show. I haven't, no. Okay, so some of the questions I had sent you, because you'd asked me, mm-hmm. like, kind of. Like, so mm-hmm. some of those questions are in here, but there's other questions, too. Like, each guest gets to put three questions in this bowl. Hmm. So there's questions I wrote, but then there's also questions from other guests in here. And so that's how we're going to do it. And as time goes by, this will just be full of hopefully wonderful questions. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to ask you to do is reach in there and pull three questions out. Oh, three? Three. Oh, and then hand gosh. them to me. Oh, And man. I'm going to ask them to you. Don't peek. And we'll just see where the conversation goes from there. Oh, wow. Okay. One, One two, and three. Okay. Oh. Huh. All right. I don't even know what they are either before. I mean, I've read them, but I don't. Okay. Some of these. Oh, well, this is, you kind of already talked about. This is easy. Has your project, passion, or work changed you doing the blog? I mean, has it changed? Has that, you know, you did it, obviously, after some things changed in your life but has doing it changed you yeah i mean it's given me a purpose in my life hands down i mean it is it has made my life worth living like it's that's that's an easy answer and i i'm sure it sounds cliche and whatever but um i always wondered like you know i would see people fighting for women's rights or human rights or um you know just whatever like their their passion and they would just fight and fight like to the death for it i was like what does that feel like i've never been passionate about anything anything yeah um but i wanted to be you know and so um going through all this has just given me that gift so uh so you know yes it's definitely definitely changed me for the better that's interesting because you know i do know people that are close to me who that's a big struggle for them is like i don't know what my passion is Mm -hmm. i don't know my purpose is but i guess what i'm hearing you say is you went through that too and it came you weren't looking for it no i didn't want to find it you know i know the last thing i wanted to do but i would tell them go to your pain like go go to to what hurts and look at that if you want to know what your purpose in life is like go to what you're most afraid of that's where your gift is yes yeah and now that now that you found that that's like your tether huh mm-hmm. you can you're just like in it you have that rope in your hand you got like always like it's tighter on your waist huh? yeah I, I can always you know come back to it it's um you know it's it's one of my strongholds one of my foundations for sure yeah, yeah. that's interesting i i i think i've probably I've had many passions. Uh, like I, I, I tend to find them really, and just like I, I told somebody else, I, I'm like striking a match on a box. It's like, <laughs> oh, I found this passion, and <laughs> you know, I light the thing up, and then it's like cool, and it's hot, and it burns out, and then I'm like another passion. But that I don't know if there's that one thing like that for me. And I, I've said this before, but I think it's people more than I want to admit. I have a passion for getting to know people deeper and i don't know if that can be a passion i don't yeah, even but know if you know it what? is that means you're you're interested 
it, being interested in people's stories, like that's not a small thing at all. It's really not like I don't think you understand how valuable that is because most people, I mean, when you talk to them, I say most people, that's a sweeping generalization. But, um, you know, a lot of people are just waiting to say the next thing. You know, yeah, what am like, I going to say next? Right. right. Like, yeah. how am I going to trump this? What kind of anecdote do I have to throw right. on top of this? Um, so it takes a special person, you know, to just be able to listen without, you know, listen to hear instead of reply or respond. Or I don't know what that quote is. I'm sure I just botched it. But um, that's a big deal. That can totally be a passion. Like, don't, you know. Yeah, I guess I never thought about it that way because I that is something that bothers me about conversations. And I think I I do think social media has probably driven that in us to go, oh, how can I out comment somebody? Yeah, culture. It's just it's kind of um, atrophied, you know, our muscle of of communication and, and being good listeners. But anyway, I mean, I think what you you're you're saying you don't have a passion, but I think, you know. You definitely are on to something. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I told somebody else this, and I'll say it to you, too. I I, um, I love people, but I fear people, too. Yeah, because like, I, I noticed that it was interesting that you said that you love people because you definitely said you had um, anxiety. Yeah. You know, social anxiety Strange. as well. Um, but, you know, sometimes they just they go hand in you know they kind of go hand in hand sometimes and because you're afraid of that maybe that's what makes you want to reach out to people more and connect with them more you know like that's what you're that's something you're afraid of so you need to lean into it yeah right i mean and see i can i'm very i'm more comfortable in this setting Mm -hmm. than if it were a room full of people that i that were um like a professional gathering that would just that eats my lunch yeah i'm not that's i'm not and I've had to learn. Some people have told me, well, you, you'll get over it, work at it. And I go, well, I have. But here's what I'm starting to find out is like, <laughs> I feel like maybe it's, yeah, I have that thing that makes that uncomfortable. But on the flip side, maybe it's because that's just not supposed to be where I'm at. Maybe the gift is going to just, the gift dies there. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like but maybe no- like you're aware of the fact that when you have these businessy, luncheony things, um, they're mostly surface level conversations, you know, I mean, you don't always get a lot deeper and you like to have deep conversations with people like that's where you thrive. So maybe, maybe that's not, you know, maybe being in social gatherings, a hoity toity, whatever, like, isn't your thing. That's fine. You just sit here, (laughs) you know, you don't have to do it. You just sit here and like do what you, what you like to do and what you're good at. Yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. That's good advice. I try. You know, I I go to enough therapy. I guess I should be able to dispense a little bit. (laughs) You know, I've been to counseling before and, you know, several times. And I'll say the the one that I had the most success with was many, many, many years ago. But it was uh, a lot of the social anxiety stuff. And it's how I've got I've learned to deal with it. I would say Mm. it's better, but the anxiety is not gone, but I've learned to deal with it. And it's because he really kind of forced me to i mean he would make me do exercises like well this weekend i want you to go to this place and it was like places i was like i'm not doing that oh, i'm not going to this bar this popular place where all the cool kids are i'm gonna call them the cool, the kids. cool kids you know it was like this whole environment is a, ugh, everything about it just made my skin crawl mm-hmm. and the way i described it to him i said the way the anxiety felt was like um 
and I still to this day tell the story exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. I'm in an astronaut suit when I walk into the bar Mm -hmm. and everyone can hear me breathing (laughs) and my steps are slow like I'm on the moon and everybody else is just going along and everything's fine. The music's playing. They have a good time and I'm acutely aware of this, but I'm breathing in this air and i'm moving really slow and it takes forever to get to the bar and order a drink and that's the best way i could describe the anxiety it was like i stick out i don't belong here that's hard you know but i've learned to over time to or be aware that those are just thoughts you know and that they don't they're not me there's mm-hmm. something so they're coming from somewhere mm-hmm. i still haven't figured out where but there's something there and so i just have to go hey thought i see you over there trying to wrestle me into submission mm-hmm. and so i'm just aware being aware of you being aware of you makes it possible you know still the struggle is real man yeah i mean <laughs> the struggle absolutely. is real. yeah i know a ton of people with social anxiety um it's a real thing for sure all right this is a good question, I think. Oh, gosh. Okay. It's not a hard one. I mean, I don't know. It depends. I mean, it depends <laughs> on what you think about this. If you could change one thing in your community, what would it be? You have total control in this situation to change a thing in your community. You know what? I know exactly what it is. I would make, um, I, I would offer a service for new moms Mm. for you know first time moms women who are struggling we we are supposed to be so strong that we don't even need to ask for help that's what that's what our culture tells us we should be able to do it on our own we should be able to do everything um we should know it should just be, be innate we should you know we should be able to to breastfeed we should be able to and it should be no problem because women have been doing it since you know the caveman times yeah and um that's not true i mean nobody really i didn't even know how a baby came out honest to god like i was it was a total learning experience like on the job um and (laughs) there was just a lot like postpartum depression you know you never think that's gonna happen to you had that really bad um and just the isolation it's so hard to get out of the damn house with all of the things that you have to bring um you know cooking you forget to eat because you're just taking care of this new and just honestly i would just want somebody to come and sit with me for a couple hours just to get me through that evening you know because i would always just if i were by myself like i just open a bottle of wine like that was you know but then i missed that whole human connection but i would i would offer a service for mothers because we are all struggling on the daily you know and it's just people are not talking about it enough honestly yes do you encounter a lot of people that went through because i mean your your blog is an open door so people know they can come to you and kind of tell you anything do you see that a lot do you hear that a lot i've heard that a lot just in my life you know i had yeah like i have a four-year-old and um a one and a half year old and uh that's just been a recurring theme you know with every every woman i know i would venture to say i don't know anybody who's got it together but i just the support is not there you know my husband's from england over there they have midwives that come and check on you afterwards um when you're recovering from giving birth you know they have um 
there's, there's just such a there's a network of support for you and you know they pay for daycare or whatever and here it's just a free-for-all you know you're on your own you're isolated you're looked at like a weakling if you ask for help um or at least that was kind of my experience um you know where i was and and with the the friends that i have so that's what i would change you know i just i think there needs to be a stronger network of of women you know together being real about stuff that's yeah i can see that and i mean i think a lot of that's because the machine's gotten so big i mean You, you mentioned the word tribe, which is one of my favorite words, and I look at it as a good word and a bad word, depending on what the tribe is doing. But I think in a smaller community, and the last guest we were talking about talked a lot about, on the show, talked a lot about community and building neighborhoods and intentional neighborhoods, and not, not, not the kind of neighborhoods like, you know, uh, priced out of affordability, but like actual neighborhoods built on people mm-hmm. who actually care about each other and know each mm-hmm. other. And you're touching on sort of that same thing, you know. I, I kind of told her after we got we were, were uh, rolling at that. I said, you know, one of my favorite movies is Dances with Wolves. And I remember when I watched it, I've watched it a hundred times. There was something about that I still can just watch that film and go, look at the way these Sioux Indians are living on the plains. I mean, you've got the old and the young everybody's sort of taking care of each other living close and it doesn't seem to bother anybody. Isn't like I need to put a fence up. I'm sick of, you know, (laughs) my neighbor in the teepee next door. It's like sort of different mentality about taking care of each other. And I don't know if it's because it was smaller, a simpler time. Obviously that world is gone, you know, but to some degree, I think there's something to be learned about that. And I think it t- touches on what you're talking about. Like there's a, a built-in nurturing network for each other. It's important that the the neighbor, the other, is helped, not demonized. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that kind of goes into like the elders that were so revered back in the day. You know, they were, they were put on a, you know, put on a pedestal as people with wisdom and you know, and knowledge and experience, and they could impart advice on, you know, younger people in the tribe. And now we just, we, we just, get, we want to just get rid of old people. Yeah. You know, there's the, not everywhere and not by everybody, but I, no, it's but just, it's a sentiment it that's definitely... breaks your heart, you know? So it's like, even though as, and as I say, especially as women, men might feel this too, but like, as you get older, your value just diminishes, you know, and you, you have to keep looking like you're young, you know, so we keep doing all this stuff to our bodies to make us stay young. And then when you finally get old and like, you're supposed to be happy and retired and everything, you're worthless, you know, or that's what they tell us. I'm not saying that they are, but that's, that's how I feel. You know, that's how a lot of people feel about getting older. Like what, what fun is this going to be? You know, when it should be the best years of our lives. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, you can look around and see it everywhere. And I think now older people, I mean, you know, I say older, I'm talking like even 65, 70. I mean, they're unfortunately I see, and I guess even really close to me is almost like a using of those people. It's like, look, what resources do they have left? Can they watch my kids? Just suck them dry. Can they watch my kids? Can I stay there? Um, What else do you have that I can take? You're right. Because your life is kind of done and mine's going. I'm on the up, you're on the down. So, like, you know, I've seen that really close to home and in in different capacities. And, you know, it bugs me. 
It does. It bugs me because it's the opposite of a a good tribal mentality. Yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, I don't know what the answer is uh, yeah. apart from just being nice or whatever. But um, yeah, right. I hope hey, that that sometimes that is all it is. <laughs> Today, National Kindness Day or something. Yeah, apart from being nice, what's wrong? With that? With, yeah. Why not be nice? Yes, that's something I yeah. wonder sometimes. All the time. Yeah. I try that. Look, I mean, I try that first almost always. I'm going to try nice first. And I'm going to try it second. And I'm going to try it third. And sometimes <laughs> I fail by fourth or fifth. <laughs> but I do try nice first. I really do. And I, I I wish that I could believe and I hope that that's what it, And I think that's what it's going to take, honestly, to make the world better. Is more people going, I'm going to try nice more than once. Yeah, you know? I like that. Just try nice more than once. Yeah. I mean, so you had a bad experience at the checkout line or at the, your favorite restaurant, and you were nice, and maybe the other person wasn't. Oh well, next time try it again. Just keep trying. But a the few, thing a few is, times. it's never about you. You know, like we take it so personally, but really, they're dealing with something we might never know about. Right. You know, like I went and got a coffee the other day, and I, the Starbucks lady usually like takes my order. She was a little bit short with me like we're usually buds and i was like oh my god what did i do like did i ask for too many nuts in my oatmeal like oh my god <laughs> right um and so you know but then i sat down and like you're saying like you just kind of reflect on it and i was like man she's probably having a terrible day you know yeah. she's something's going on with her and it ain't my fault i need to i need to just get over it and like wish her the best honestly yeah see that's what i've i've my biggest one of the big problems for me is i gotta get out of it like you know when I'm having one of those days, like even honestly, if I'm being truthful, the last few weeks have been like that for me. I can, mm-hmm. I can feel myself sort of getting thin. A lot of things going on, lots of, there's some external stressors, but then the work's been busy and, and there's just all these things. It's one thing after the other. And I was like, yeah, I'm wearing down, I'm wearing down. And I could, I could feel it. I was like, my mind's getting, getting short. Mm-hmm. Everything's going, but there's no escape from it. And I had that thought. I was like, I wonder if anybody's going to give me that compassion or that thought that you said you did. Are they going to go, well, Orin may have something going on, you know, and I don't, (laughs) I I don't think anybody's doing that. (laughs) Like he's got stuff going on. And then, so for me, next step is to go, I got to raise a flag up and go, guys, I need a minute. Right. You know, and it becomes a thing then. Mm-hmm. It's like, because nobody gave me a minute, now I got to ask for a minute. And because I'm asking for a minute, now it's a thing. You're just, yeah, there's a little bit of resentment <laughs> yeah. and maybe a lot. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I think we probably, if we could all cultivate that, just go, hey, maybe they just need a minute. You know, I don't Definitely. know. I'd like to have more of I that. I could in. always use a minute. Like, I, I, I could, could take a minute. Use a minute. Just give them a minute. Like you just <laughs> nailed it. That's that's the solution. Just be nice and give somebody a minute. Yeah. So give them a minute. See, that's the the secret to life. We just uncovered it. Well, you do have one more question. Okay. It's the one last more one. question. What do you hope? Oh, that's a good one, man. I don't know what I even think about this one. Oh goodness. Somebody else put this one in here, so I didn't yeah. write this. One. What do you hope people will think or slash feel about you when you are gone? I would definitely want them to say that I lived a full life. Like, you know, I loved hard. I played hard. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, maybe that I'm, maybe that I made a difference, you know, yeah. maybe that, maybe that i made some small difference in somebody's life i mean honestly that's 
you know, that I was a good mom and or a decent mom, an average mom. I'll settle for average mom <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, and a, and, a, and a good friend and just kind of lived, you know, fiercely. I think that's how I want to be remembered. In my addiction, I would have died young. You know, I remember I had some medicine woman read my fortune um when I, we we were on a trip in the grand canyon and uh she was like this really cool hippie lady and i was like i want to be like her so i said you know read my my what is it not your fortune your hand the is palm it, your palm, your palm reading, reading yeah. yeah and uh she looks at my you know she's giving everybody like oh you're gonna be a you know a world leader or whatever she gets to mind she's like oh that lifeline is short hmm and i was like oh can we undo this like can i unknow this please so i guess i've always thought i was gonna die young and i think that's why i drank to excess and partied and you know all that stuff because i was like well who cares like right yeah that's exactly it and it was easy it was like a get out of jail free you know i could i could just say well i'm gonna die anyway yeah but look what you're why doing. not smoke all the cigarettes why not you know like kill my body or whatever poison myself um so that was you know that was kind of uh like a scapegoat for me and i'm so glad you know even if my lifeline is short now um I'm like looking at my hand trying to see if it got any longer. Yeah. I don't know which one it is. Well, maybe there's a line on your hand, though, that you can't see. Yeah, maybe right? so. I mean, it sounds I'll, to me I'll like you've, un, you've, you've undone. You can undo fate, right? If that's, yeah. if that's fate. I mean, I don't even know if you believe in that, but if you do or if you don't even, I don't know. Yeah. You can undo things. I mean, there can be a, a healing and a restructuring. Right? Yeah. You know? oh, God, I hope so. Yeah, it sounds like that's what you're doing, you know. That's interesting. You kind of pulled the string on that and undid it. Yeah. Extended that lifeline. Yeah, I hope so. At least a little longer. Yeah. I'm not ready to go just yet. Well, I hope I hope so, too, because, I mean, what you're putting out there is helping people. Thank you. Um, so, speaking of what you're putting out there, how do people who want to interact with your blog and podcast, what's the best way for them to find that? Um. You, I mean, people like comment under the Facebook posts and stuff or Instagram, and they usually just send me messages. You yeah. know, uh, I have my email is um, stonesobermom at gmail dot com, and I've had people, you know, reach me that way too. Uh, but what's your Instagram handle? Um, what is a handle? Uh, I. At- <laughs> 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 it's stone sober mom okay it's stone sober mom um and i'm like blown away i know nothing about instagram uh do you use it a lot yeah, yeah i do but i'm not i don't understand like the algorithm or whatever it is that they yeah. talk about i think they just made that word up uh <laughs> but yeah so i'm on instagram and that's you know people send me messages on that too and yeah. because it's people don't want their shit all out there you know like i do and that's fine like yeah, so a private, private message yeah which is really cool and i so appreciate that you know yeah. i always really really appreciate that um yeah. yeah. And Facebook, you have a Facebook page for it as well, or do they just follow you? Yeah, they just follow me. It's, you know, my name is Rosie Pryor. Uh, and so they, you know, they just follow me on Facebook, and all my stuff is on the same page. And the web so. address is stonesobermom.com. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really appreciative that you answered my private message. And I'm actually really thankful for the person who recommended you. 
I know. I love her. I figured out who it was. Did you? How'd you figure that out? Well, I did a little bit of trolling around, and uh, I saw that she was a mutual friend of yours and um, totally called her out on it. I am hoping that this is the way the trend's going to continue as one guest leads to the next. Yeah, I think so. A thread that's kind of running through. And and it's organic, which is also pretty awesome, you know? Yeah. Well, I thank you for taking the time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just hope that somebody listens to it and they get something from our conversation, but then especially that they go to what you're putting out there. Thank you so much. I love you just the 